Our theme for this year, the Lord placed on our heart, is the God of the impossible. Say with me, the God of the impossible. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, the God of the impossible. Now, just so we're all on the same page, and if you're a guest with us, we give you anonymity. I'm Pastor Greg. Glad to have you with us today. Hang out, hide out, make yourself at home. Challenge everything that is said by anyone, even me. We want you to grow in the things of God, but we don't put you in a position of drawing attention to yourself. But when you're talking about the God of the impossible, the religious mind will say, yeah, yeah, I agree, but the, the heart of it is not always settled within our resolve. And so we'll agree mentally with something, but in the fire, of, in the flames of the fire or in the storms of life, there has to be a resolve. It's the resolve that enables us to stand strong because it's not that we just thought it or it was a good idea, but it's the reality when the devil tries to tempt you or torment you or attack you. Have you ever been attacked by the enemy? Jesus said in this world that you will deal with trials and tribulations, but he didn't leave us with that little bit of information to put us on guard. He left us with the revelation that even though you can and should be prepared, he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome. So the, within the, the seed, the nature of God, that Jesus, because of the, what Jesus did that is within us, we have victory even in the midst of storms. We have to get to a place of just not mentally agreeing with the Bible, but letting it take residence within the heart, nature of who we are, so that if there is a God forbid Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fiery furnace being lit up for you at your work or at the doctor's report, you won't freak out. You'll stand strong and say, listen, the God I serve, he is the God of the impossible. Are you listening to me? It, you cannot read the Bible and find that God did the things that were probable. He did the stuff that was impossible. Things that are probable never get written down. Things that happen all the time typically never get written down. It's the things that are impossible. And the Bible says, and we use the Bible as the final authority. Can I get an amen? And the Bible says that if all the works of Jesus were written down, the books of the world could not even contain it. What am I telling you? He did, and everything he was doing was in the area realm of impossible. Impossible. Raising Lazarus, that's impossible. A virgin birth, that's impossible. Resurrection after crucifixion, that's impossible. Are you listening to me? Taking a little boy's lunch and multiplying it and feeding 5,000 and one time 4,000 men, not counting women and children. All these things are impossible. People followed him because he was doing the impossible. The lepers were being healed, not because it was easy, not because it was probable, but because it was impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Don't cut me short from that scripture what is it for those who know the word all things are possible to him who believes if you give if you believe that give the lord a hand clap of praise he is the god of the impossible he is the god of the impossible say he's the god of the impossible now in most churches you can call that miracles and that's still the same thing and there's nothing wrong with that but sometimes we hear a word so much that we lose sight of what that word means See, he is the God of the impossible, doing the impossible for me today. Look to your neighbor and say, he's the God of the impossible, and he's doing the impossible for you today, in Jesus' name. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm dealing with. I don't, but he does. And the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you you shall condemn. For this is your right, your heritage, and your righteousness is of and from God. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, we're seeing testimonies on a, it was weekly, but now it's getting to where it's daily of what God is doing that's impossible. Yeah. 
what God is doing impossible. But we have to deal with this realm of our mind, logic, that tries to bring warfare against our heart, our spirit, from believing. Because you don't believe in your mind, you believe in your heart. With the heart man believes under righteousness, with the mouth confessions made under salvation. People agree all the time that they should go to church or that they, should, that they're, uh, they believe in God. And, but you know, oh, I believe in God. Well, the Bible says demons believe in God and tremble. So the difference is they know it from the knowledge realm, but not from the heart realm. You have to get it into the heart realm. That's at Matthew 13, when you receive the word with understanding, it goes into the heart. The seed goes into the heart. That understanding comes out of Revelation, Psalms 119. The entrance of his word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. So it's, it's the word being revealed to us that gives us understanding. And that comes out by hearing it. So we have to allow the word to take resonance in our lives. Colossians says, let the word of Christ, the anointed word, the rhema, dwell in your life richly. Not scarcely, richly. If we only approach the word once every six months or any time we have a crisis, then it's not there richly. If you, if you never make a deposit into your account and no money's flowing through but a lot of money's going out, I'm telling you, it's probably not a rich account. Are you see what I'm saying? Because we're always trying to make a draw. I want this, I want this, I need this, God. I'm praying, but we don't put anything in. And so we need to allow the word to go from our mental realm of understanding and agreement to the resolve realm of our faith. He is the God of the impossible. Because if you've ever been attacked by the devil in any area, one of the things that happens is you forget quickly what's in this realm. Why do you think they have soldiers repeat something and they do it over and they do it over? Take their gun apart and put their gun back together. Take their gun. Why do I need it? I don't need to do it. Yes, you do. Because when the bullets start flying and your panic naturally raises, you can't work off reason. You have to work off automatic you have to go and your autopilot can't be the autopilot of fear it needs to be the autopilot of faith Amen. to the point that the devil even touch you the word comes out jesus said it is written he spoke the word hallelujah say he's the god of the impossible and he's doing the impossible for me today I was praying uh, last Sunday for different people who needed healing, and one dear, uh, dear lady, and I'm not going to say her name, and I don't want to embarrass her, but it was, it's still a great story. And she came up, and she was near the end of the prayer line, and so I went to pray, and she said, Pastor, uh, my husband died two years ago, and the devil's been hitting me in this area of my body and attacking me in this area of my body, and she just started listing stuff. And I just, you know, I just got to look for the Holy Spirit to kind of drop on my heart what to say, because everybody's different. Their story's a little different. You don't, can't repeat everything exactly the same way. Although sometimes it sounds the same. And I just said to her, well, you know, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. Well, I know, I know that scripture, Pastor, but the devil's been hitting me in this area, and the devil's been hitting me in that area, and she's just started naming all these things. And I, the Lord just dropped this idea. And I said, and I shared this with the staff, and I, and I said to her, I said, you know what I've learned from the world of sports? She said, what? Which got her, got her attention because now I'm not listening about her problems. I said, one of the things I've learned from the realm of sports is that after a game, no one really talks about the loser. We like Kansas City Chiefs, but you know, after the game's over, it's, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. 
I said, well, after the game, people don't stay talking about the losers. They want to talk about the winners. I said, why do we spend so much time talking about the devil? Because the Bible says he's already lost. And I said, and I gave her the scripture. I said, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Well, I know that verse. I said, ma'am, I know you know the verse, but your faith is drawing this out of me. For all of our ministers that are in house, especially the young ones, growing, it, you can't force stuff, but be open. And the, but you also have to remember what's going on in your world and your faith draws the anointing, the gifts out of the minister. So it's not me coming in prayed up, and I'm prayed up, and I've spent time in the Word, but I, it's not me bulldozing through. It works better when people are hungry, and they'll, they'll literally, they're hungry. As you're sitting there, you don't think anything's uh, happening, but you're in there saying, God, I need my answer. God, speak to me. God, and, what, and the Holy Spirit will use your faith to draw out of. And so I, I just sense her faith was strong, and I said, I know, I know you know this verse, but your faith is, keep, is pulling this verse out of me. And so then I gave her another verse that came to me at the moment. I say, you know, Matthew 15, 26 says that healing is bread for God's children. And she listened, and I said, now say with me, I am healed. She said, I am healed. And it was all in this mental realm. You can tell when people are talking from this logic and when they're talking from the soulish part, they're emotional, and when they're talking from the realm of faith. Has your spouse ever walked in and looked at you cold and, and platonically said, I really love you. You're like, no, that's the mental realm. I'm not feeling any emotion to that. That's a, you got to rework where you're drawing that sentence from. But it's, I, I just said, you know, and I quoted the verse, and she said, I'm healed, and it's still here. And the Lord gave me another verse. And I said, you know, Exodus 15, 26 tells us that he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. And she said, I'm healed. I said, Psalms 103, verse 3 tells us that, he's, that one of the benefits is that he's the Lord that has healed you from all diseases. And all of a sudden, as the verses were coming, and I was speaking the word, it began to move. You could literally sense and see it. It went from the mental realm to all of a sudden change on the inside of her. And she started saying, I am healed. And another verse, I am healed. And another verse, I am healed. And by time, we're about five, six, seven verses into it. Her hands were raised, and she was, she was rejoicing. Not complaining, but celebrating. And in the anointing, shouting, I am healed. Why? Because the word works. Do you see what I'm saying? The word works. There's the gifts of the Spirit that work, but also, if the Holy Spirit's not working that way, it doesn't leave us uh, sitting high and dry. No, the word always works. And I just continue to speak the word, and it begins to change. And some of you can do that to yourself. If you have to look in the mirror, just begin to say what God says. What are you doing? Faith comes, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You don't need your boat of your life navigated by fear or by pressure or by people or by problems. That's making them the captain of your ship. You got to let them know you might think you're important and you might be important in certain areas. It might be your spouse. It might be your best friend. And you're important to me, but you can't be the captain. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And it's learning to love people, but helping to remind people their place of importance in your life, but never put them and allow them into the seat of being the captain. Because if they are, you'll be led astray by whatever they say. 
I think you need to do this. Okay. I think you need to stop going to church. Okay. You know, let's go do this instead of reading the Bible. Okay. But there's a place you come that you say, listen, Jesus, you are Lord of all. You are the captain of my ship. And if you say we're going across, we're going across. Amen. Regardless if there's a storm. Can I get an amen to that? Amen and amen. Well, that was just introduction. I know where we're going, but we're going somewhere. Amen. So we've been talking about God being the God of the impossible in our life. And what a lot of times is not taught in the church world, unfortunately, that comes from the Word of God. And again, challenge everything with the Word. It's not opinions of people. It's not my opinion. It's getting to what the Bible says. That's where faith comes. But our victories in life, you don't always hear this in the church world, but our victories in life are an aroma by God to make a difference. In most churches, see, it's got quiet. Do you sense that quietness? Because in a lot of churches, they tell you that it's God gets glory out of your failures, out of your sickness, out of your pain. But no, John chapter 15, verse 17, 16 says, verse 16 says, this is what gives glory to your Father that you produce much fruit. Not that you produce much pain. Second Corinthians chapter 2, it'll be on the verse uh, on the screen here, or you can open your Bible. But thanks be to God who always leads us. But thanks be to who? God. Not to the devil, not to the world, but thanks be to God. God. Who always, he's our source, who always leads us in victory or triumph. Who always leads us in triumph or always leads you in victory in Christ. The anointed one in his anointing. You're like, well, I, I haven't always dealt with victory. I've lost a lot. Well, maybe you haven't been led. Maybe you're just pushing forward on your own. And it's okay. Don't allow pride to pressure you into a position of permanence. I don't think I could even say that again twice if I had to. Don't let pride pressure you, push you, pressure you into a position of permanence. Because, oh, I don't want to acknowledge that maybe I didn't get anything right. Listen, we're all growing. Everybody should be growing. Never outgrow growth. And if something's not working the way the word is, don't say it's God's fault. Don't blame the devil. Get in the middle and say, all right, God, what do I need to, what needs to be realigned in my thinking, realigned in my action, realigned in my preparation, realigned in my dependence on you. Show me what you want me to do. Because the goal is to not only just make it to heaven. In in some church world, that's all they want you to do, just make it to heaven. No, we want you to make it to heaven, but we want, according to the word of God, you see heaven come down to earth so God can make you who he wants you to be, give to you what he wants you to have, cause you to do what he wants you to do, Reach the people he wants you to reach. Some people are going to get to heaven barely. And Paul says that they'll lose, they'll lose part of their reward. There's a reward system in heaven based on how you live. But some people, you'll get to heaven and say, where's the people you brought with you? No, wouldn't it be better to not only get to heaven, but God said, look, look as you obeyed me and allowed me to lead you. I led you from glory to glory, the Bible says, from victory to victory. I used you. I mean, how, how cool would it be to be like a Moses standing before the throne of God and God saying, I mean, most of, how many people, I, I know there shouldn't be envy in heaven, but don't you think you'd be a little envious as Moses is being rewarded and saying, I, I, I used you, and you let me use you to deliver my people from bondage. 
bondage. You let me use you to split the Red Sea. You let me use you to, and we're going, what did I let God use me to do? He wants to lead us in victories. Say victories. Say that with a smile. In Christ and through you, through us, spread. Make evident. It's not our job to make evident. It's God's job to make it. Make evident everywhere the sweet fragrance or the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. Your victories that he's leading into you, uh, leading you through, will bring a place. It doesn't mean you don't deal with battles. Moses still had to face a Red Sea. Moses still had to deal with a Pharaoh. Moses still had to deal with opposition. Most people think Christianity is no opposition. God's Christianity is regardless of the opposition, I'm going to lead you to a promised land, and if there are giants, you'll be the first one to charge it and take it down. Amen. And through us, have an aroma of the knowledge of him. We carry the aroma. You know, the atmosphere that you live in creates, the atmosphere that you hang out in creates an aroma within you and upon you. Go to a bowling alley. You come out. You'll smell like smoke. I don't smoke. Yeah, but you're around it. And because you're around it, I was outside, but I didn't sweat. Yeah, but you're around an environment, and now the environment is affecting And it doesn't mean that you, you have to find a perfect environment. Well, you know, if I could get a different job, I wouldn't be around this environment. No, you can change the environment around you. That's the point. It's not quit your job, stay at home, and do nothing but read the Bible and don't impact anybody. No, the goal is that you change the environment wherever you go. Through you, everywhere, he, he creates and spreads and makes evident the, the aroma of who he is. So you can sit and say, man, it's hot in this house. Or you can go up to the thermostat and say, I'm going to make a change. And we understand the system of an HVAC system that we understand when we apply the the mechanisms necessary in all things being equal, that it should change the environment. But we don't always understand the principles of the word of God, that what we say and what we're doing and what we're believing, that it can change the environment. It can change. It can take a hostile environment and bring peace. It, let, me, let me go over here. It can take a, a, a room of people with strife and division and bring peace. Where do I get that? Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and Matthew's Gospel, chap, uh, chapter 10. Jesus said, when you go into a house, speak the peace over it. And if they receive it, that peace will remain. If they refuse it, that peace will come back to you. Most of us think peace is just a warm and fuzzy, let's all get along. That's not a peace. It's an overpowering ruling force of the kingdom that brings the order of God, the peace of God, into the situation. Because where there's strife and division, the Bible says there's every evil work. So what does the devil do? He tries to keep you offended at everything and everyone. And you get one problem done and another problem shows up and you're offended. Why? Because it's the atmosphere of offense and strife and division that he breeds evil. I'm just mad at those people. I can't believe, I'll never forgive them. Well, you better read the Bible then. <laughs> because we're strife and division, there's every evil work. Where there's peace, there's a different work. So I carry the aroma. It's a kingdom aroma. It's, 
which is the aroma of the king, when we're in the presence, the anointing of the king, it, it has a way of impacting our attitude, impacting our perspective. And literally, according to the word of God, there is a level of it where it literally will absorb into your clothes. Because the Bible says in Acts that Paul's clothes, that they would, there was so much anointing on his life that they would take his clothes and cut it up and send the clothes to those who were sick or demon-possessed. And they were delivered. Why? Because the tangible essence of a dimension that nobody knows on this side until you get into salvation and walk it out with God and one day will fully understand it. But there is a dimension, a, a tangible dimension of the Spirit of God the anointing of God and it has a way of saturating even the material clothes that we wear well, most of us we'd be happy if it just changed some of our attitude and God says I have so much more for you are you listening to me I don't care how long you've been saved this goes for all of us God has so much more for all of us he is so much greater than our understanding his power is so much, for, so beyond our experience, our past. Oh, I'm Pentecostal. I've been Pentecostal my whole life. Praise God. You may be been in Pentecostal churches, three services a day for 50 years. And I'm telling you, with all that you've seen and experienced, praise God for, it still doesn't scratch the surface of the awesomeness of our God. For my Bible tells me eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has already prepared for those who love him. But he reveals them to us by his, by his spirit. So God's got stuff for you you haven't seen. Oh, I believe in blessing. But there's a blessing level that you haven't walked in. I believe in divine healing. But there is a divine healing level that you haven't walked in. Most of us think we take the blessings of God and we think it from the context of our own benefit and what we can receive. But I'm here to tell you that there is a level beyond just you receiving it. Genesis 12, 2, Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing. God just doesn't want to heal you. He wants you to be a flowing of healing. Because we have in us, we, have, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And as Adam was a living spirit, Jesus, the second Adam, the last Adam, he is a life-giving spirit. He is a life-giving spirit. Just not a person who was alive. He had the ability to produce and release life. John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. How could he say that? Because he had the ability to give life. And what am I telling you, child of God, that you are the part of the body of Christ. You are the temple of the most high God. And there is a level that's available to each and one of us. It doesn't mean full-time apostle, prophet, fivefold minister. It means children of God, that you have a dimensional place within the realm of God. He has seated you, the Bible says. He has seated you in heavenly places. That is a place of authority. What am I telling you? That within the uh, potential of your relationship with God, you have the ability to not only experience the life of God, but to release the life of God into the light, into a darkness. And darkness, John 1, cannot hold it back. Come on, if you believe that, give him a praise. I think we're going deeper today. I think we're going deeper today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus is a life-giving spirit. Jesus is on the inside of you. That means that you not only receive that life, you can share that life. 
Hallelujah. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Peace in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. For every church that's asked the Holy Spirit to leave, they made a grave mistake. It's an aroma. I'm going to talk today and focus on this area of righteousness. Right standing with God. Right standing with God. When you sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, if you sin, confess your sins. And God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Righteousness is an important place. It's even a position of power. Most people don't realize that. Because the Bible says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, Isaiah says, rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is your right, your inheritance of the Lord, and your righteousness is of me. It's a right standing with God. It's a right standing with God. It's a right standing with God. You're not a sinner. That's, that is the demonic doctrine that has been perpetuate, uh, perpetrated into the church world. And that is, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you are in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you see yourself as a sinner, barely making it, by the, the, just barely by one string hanging on, the devil will keep you from being who God wants you to be. He will keep you from doing not because he has the power, but he's convinced you in perspective not to try. Because if you do not step out of the boat, you will not walk on water. If you do not charge the giant, you will not kill the giant. Righteousness is a, a powerful position. We see that played out in a, a parable that many people have heard of. The story of the prodigal son. And in the prodigal son story, there was two sons. A lot of times I like emphasizing the other son that no one ever talks about. Because there's, there's so much truth in the stories of Jesus. And the youngest son to his father, I want my inheritance. And the father gave him his inheritance. You know what I mean? At one thing you got to understand, the, the one son knew how to access what was available to him. Although his heart was wrong. And he didn't handle it right. And he took that money that was given to him by his father and he went off and began to live with prostitutes and parties and everything. And when the money ran out, the friends ran out. When the friends ran out, he found himself alone. And in the story, he, was, he got a job where he's feeding pigs, which to someone who's Jewish is a whole, it's just not a bad job. It's the epitome of, because they weren't even supposed to touch pigs. Sin will do that. Sin will get you to a place that you'll feed what you ne- once before, whenever he talk about or touch. And he, the Bible says, and he came to himself. I like that key phrase. And he came to himself. And he said it. And I don't believe, and a lot of times people take that verse as that, oh, we'll let someone hit rock bottom and then they'll wake up. No, a lot of people don't wake up when they hit rock bottom. A lot of people commit suicide. A lot of people become homeless. A lot of people, there's a lot of bad things that happen. What made him wake up was not the pain. He came to himself because he was reminded of the generosity of his father. Doesn't my father have a lot of servants and doesn't, don't they have plenty to eat? What was he saying? He came to the place of, I don't need to accept and tolerate this. This is not my portion. 
I have a father who's generous. I have a better portion than I have been participating in. See, I have a better portion. See, as long as the devil gets you to eat from his table, you'll be working off his portions. But when you understand that Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and he has prepared a table for me, not just in heaven, in the midst of your enemies. we got to walk up to the table of, of God and walk away from the table of the enemy and say, listen, I've been living on these crumbs because I thought that was my portion, and I just came to myself. I just was awakened to who I really am. I just was awakened to what's available to me. I was awakened by the word of God that this is not what I'm supposed to. This is not my portion. Lack is not my portion. Sickness is not my portion. Mental, mental health issues is not my portion. As long as you embrace it and call that cancer your cancer, you're saying it's your portion. But when you're saying, I'm going to fight this thing, this is not my portion. I know they're saying there's cancer on that thing, but I'm letting them know I am not embracing it. It is not my portion. Quit calling the diseases and the attacks of the enemy from the context of you own them. I need you to pray for my diabetes. Diabetes is not your portion. Come on, somebody. Do you see what I'm talking about? It's a whole different level trying to pray for somebody and what comes out of their mouth is, oh, I need you to pray for my, and they start naming. When did it, when did it become yours? I'm not saying you're not dealing with it. I'm not saying deny that you're dealing with it. But understand from the perspective, it's not your portion. I am not going to sit here and stay here and eat from this plate. Because I know my father is a generous God. And his servants, they walk in hell. And I'm going to find the plate at the table. God didn't tell me to sit at the kitty table. He said, come to my table. Come to my table. All that I have in the prodigal story. The father said to the other son, don't you realize that all that I have belongs to you. What am I telling you? One thing one brother understood, the other one didn't, was his portion. Now the heart was wrong, but even the son that stayed back, his heart and perspective was wrong because he didn't understand what his portion was. Look to your neighbor and say, what's your portion? See, in some church circles, they're like, oh, we shouldn't talk like that. That's being greedy. No, greed is wanting what doesn't belong to you that belongs to somebody else. What I'm talking about is what Jesus paid for on the cross of Calvary. If he paid for it on the cross 2,000 years ago, if it's in this thing called a covenant, that's a contract. If he's got my name on that covenant, baby, I want what belongs to me that's been purchased by my father. Don't try to talk me out of it. And don't you dare get it the way to it. I am going to the table of my father. I want my portion. Come on, if you believe that, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean you're a bad person if you don't have all your portion. We are growing in the things of God. Proverbs for the path of the righteous shines brighter, but don't ever settle for the table of the devil. Get back up and rise up and say, I'm going back to my father because he's got a better table for me. Hallelujah. Your eye hasn't seen all that God has for you. Your eye hasn't seen all that God has for you. It's so great. It's so amazing. Well, one day when I get to heaven, I'll see it. You can, and you can wait till you get to heaven. Or you can be under the mindset of Jesus who told the disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy... 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on this earth. On this earth as it is in heaven. Look down at the earth and say, earth, you got to line up today. I want my portion. Isaiah 55, 10 says, as rain in heaven comes from the earth, from heaven, and goes to the earth and waters it and makes it produce. I want you to know the powers in the word. It will make the natural line up with the alignment of God's word. The spiritual is not the weaker level. The spiritual is the overriding level over sickness and disease and lack and poverty and anything that's outside of the covenant. Stop getting my portion today. Hallelujah. Come on, give my praise. Hallelujah. 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 He said, I want my portion. I just, I just know people are being awakened to what is available to them. You mean I don't have to live in lack? No, you maybe have never seen financial independence or blessing in your life, but you could be the first one in your generation to walk on water that's never been walked on before, to challenge a giant that has never been uh, defeated before, to see the walls fall that have never been fallen. I don't care how impossible it is to your history, to your understanding, and to those around you. I'm here to tell you today, according to the word of God, you serve the God of the impossible. And when he says charge, you charge. When he says shout, you shout. When he tells you to stand you stand because at the end of the day victory belongs to you hallelujah i'm gonna get my portion you might have to walk a little bit you might have to change a few things he didn't say, I'm going to wait for my father to come just hand it all to me. He said, I'm going to my father. I'm going to make some changes in my routine. I'm going, to, I'm going to let him show me what changes I need to make in my perspective of how I see things. I, I might need to make some changes in different areas. That's okay. Holy Spirit, show me. Because it's the Spirit of God who leads you. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Shh. Get my portion. Some of us are looking for God's portion, and we're still eating on the plates of the enemy. You've moved away from the table, but you're still hanging on to the, t- the plate and the forks and the utensils. And God said, I can't put what I've got for you on that. You've got to lay that stuff down. But this is what I know. I know that's what you know. But this is how I usually praise, praise you. I know that's how you used to praise me, but there's other ways to praise me. And I'm not saying the way you did it before was bad, but the other way you did it might be at a level that you've done past. And I want to bring you up to a different level of maturity and understanding. And just calling your auntie ever so often to give you a verse for the month is not good enough. I want to bring you up to a level to have an appetite to what I have for you. So then what am I doing? I'm getting this stuff ready. So you see, not only do I have it, I prepared it all. I got the plate. I got the ability. I got the method. You got to quit trying to do what you've known to do. 
do by the world system and say, God, I'm going to do it your way, your system. And though I don't understand it with my own thinking, I'm going to obey you by the truth of your word because I know at the end of the journey, you are leading me to a place of victory. If you want that victory, take the next two minutes and give him a praise. Hallelujah. 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 So I'm getting my portion today. Don't you think that's selfish? No, not according to what we just read, because that gives glory to God. So wherever you go, because people might hear what you say, but they watch the way you live. And if you're walking in, busting and disgusted like everybody else, you might be in a different place on Sunday morning. But when they see you drive back, you're getting out of the car that looks busted and disgusted. You're walking like you're busted and disgusted. You're talking like you're busted and disgusted. And they're going to look at each other and say, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's done anything for them. They look just like us. But when you come out of that car, let us Sunday on a Monday and you're not talking busted disgust you're talking promise you're talking potential you're talking the goodness of God Thomas said the people that's his people that are in the temple they talk of his glory that doesn't mean you have to be weird but you are displaying you are communicating the goodness of your God they're gonna be like I've been noticing your expression you seem like you're happy what's going on I've been noticing things are changing I want to know the world doesn't measure by your intent they measure it by the metrics of a result and many times we're just good and happy enough oh they meant well God doesn't want you to leave in the land of you meant well he wants you to show the world that he is the light and that you are there for the light let the metrics say speed the change of God in your life hallelujah I'm getting my portion Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. See, all that portion was the Holy Ghost. I didn't have that in my notes. But usually fine, that's usually the best part. So he's returning to his father. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 22. And he's returning to his father. And the father saw him coming. And went out to meet him. James, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet. Let me back up a little bit. Quick, bring the finest robe. Say the finest robe. What you have to understand, what these things are symbols of something important. The robe, if you remember... Joseph, his father, gave him a robe of many colors. It was a sign of the favor and love of the father. His brothers hated it because right there put them in the perspective of, I didn't get a coat. Did you get a coat? I didn't get a coat. Did you get a coat? No. He got a coat. That means the father really loves him. Stay with me. So the first thing that the, the prodigal son got when he came back to the father, and father came out to him, said, quick, bring and put on him a new robe. What is that saying? Within this realm of righteousness, that when you come back to God, when you repent, you're not only sins are forgiven, he puts on you the robe of his love and favor. Amen. That's why this phrasing of, I'm a sinner saved by grace, doesn't work in alignment with the word of God. 
No, because out of righteousness, you carry his favor. You are displayed that God loves you. A lot of people walk around with a cloud, they feel like God hates them or is mad at them. That's not God. You're a child of God. He loves you. Say, he loves me. Look to your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I know about me. He loves me. Now, if you just said that to your spouse, we'll pray for you later because that was the worst thing you could have done. You chose who you chose. It, was the, it represented the Father's love and favor along with the destiny being restored. Now stay with me. We're going to move quick here. The robe. Say the robe. Look at this next end of the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Get a ring, not a lot of rings, but a ring. Get a ring. There's a specific purpose of the ring on his finger. The ring represents the ability, the power to sign legal documents. It was this, like a little stamp, and they, would, they could mark it as a way of taking ownership, a stamp. It was a position of dignity. It was a position of authority. Do you know what I see a lot of times it happens? People will get forgiven, but the devil, he can't stop it. The devil can't stop it, but he messes with people's minds, and they embrace a doctrine or thinking that's not in line with the word of God. And that's why our minds, Romans 12, 2, needs to be, uh, we need to be conformed by the renewing of our minds, the transformation work. But I've seen people in the church world who get forgiven, but they live in shame. They, they know God's forgiven them, but they always feel second rate. They always feel broken. They all feel shame. Sin brings shame. And what did he do? He said, not only am I going to put my favor and love on you, I'm going to restore your dignity and your authority. The devil will tell you, oh, you were doing so good. You went a lot of years, you totally messed up. Now you got to start all over again. That's a lie of the devil. He restores your authority. Now, this, you got to stay in the middle of the road. You don't take that and say, well, then I'm going to go out and live in sin every weekend because God will forgive me and I'll be back to. No, because you'll bring yourself under bondage, Romans 6. Shall we use our liberty and freedom to go back and sin? God forbid. For who you submit yourself to, you become a servant to. It got quiet. Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. (laughs) Say, no shame here. here. Come on, say, no shame here. here. That'll make you smile. The devil try to remind you, nope, sorry, there's no condemnation here. There's no shame here. It's been dealt with. It's been dealt with. It's been dealt with. Finest robe, ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet. In that culture, in that time, people didn't wear shoes. Employees did not wear, employers didn't wear shoes, employees didn't wear shoes, servants didn't wear shoes. The ones who wore shoes were the sons and daughters. The father saying, put shoes on his feet. He's not going to walk around as a servant. I'm repositioning him as a son. Come on, somebody. 
I'm giving him his dignity back. I'm restoring, I'm restoring joy back. I'm giving him peace back. I'm giving him a blessing back. I'm going to reconnect him to me. He is going to be, when he walks, they will know he's somebody's son. Because sons and daughters wore shoes. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? In closing, here's my last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you still with me today? Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 through 20, New Living. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. So I want you to have this perspective. On the cross of Calvary, now stay with me, because a lot of errors come out of this misunderstanding, trying to take a verse and say what it's not saying. Out of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, God canceled the sins of humanity. Canceled them. So they're forgiven. Does that mean everybody's going to heaven? No. Why? Because they have to believe and receive it. What does the devil tell people? God's up there and he hates you and he's going he's to beat you and punish you and he's waiting for you to make a mistake. But the word says that what he did with Jesus, that he canceled the sins of humanity. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That is restoration with the favor with God. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors... God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to people, come back to God. Stay with me because we've been talking about your portion. We've been talking about what God has for you. We've been talking, but we've also included within the framework, the fiber, the fabric of that, that what God's doing in you, he wants to do through you. A lot of Christians miss out on what God wants to do in them and they never see any more increase because they stop with them. They don't understand that increase comes from using what God gives you and releasing it to other people because they're only thinking about what can I get from God that makes me comfortable. And if all you're wanting from God is what makes you comfortable and you don't see the need of humanity, you're missing out of all the blessing that's available to you. As long as you see your paycheck and your your, uh, tax return and your bonuses on what you can buy instead of saying God this really belongs to you show me what to do who can I help where do you want me I want to sow into the kingdom of God and see the gospel preached when you get that mindset you'll see more of the windows of heaven pour out to you I, I get people pray I need financial increase are you obeying the word of God because according to the word don't shout me down we're not taking up another offering but according to the word of God you cannot pray for financial increase It's quiet around here. You don't pray. God doesn't answer the prayers for, I need more money. You can pray for wisdom on how to handle the money. But what you need to pray is, Lord, help me to do what you tell me to do for increase to come into my life. Well, I don't believe in tithes and offering and seed. I think that's all a bunch of gimmicks. That's fine. Then you're on your own. Because prayer is not answered when it comes to the realm of finances. Are you listening to me? And we, at Hope Church, if you're new, at Hope Church, we don't pressure people to give. I got a revelation years ago from heaven. 
and I, in prayer, I came out of my spirit. I thank you, Father. What a privilege it is to depend on you for financial prosperity. As a result, you're not the source. God may use you, but I can love you without thinking, what can I get from you? You can drop a million. You can drop off five bucks. I'll still love you one way or the other. But if you want increase, you need to obey God with your giving. I think one thing the Hope Church has done that hopefully will catch on in the church world is, yeah, I mean, we, we have a whole different slant when it comes to even finances. Does giving work? Yes. We want you to give by faith in alignment with the Word of God because when you obey God with your finances in the realm of faith and the Word of God, you see the power of God do the result. As long as you're copying somebody, it's, it's just action. You can step out of the boat on the water and you'll probably sink unless Jesus tells you to step out on the, on the water from the boat and then you need to obey and you're going to walk. Right. See the difference? Yeah. We're very cautious around here because money, people freak out, so I don't mind talking about it. But, you know what I mean, and we guard you. I, I let you know, just because someone's on TV, and I've seen it done so many times. The Lord told me to give $1,000 to this TV ministry, and I did, and the Lord blessed me with $30,000 in a month, well, or $100,000 in 30 days. Well, praise God. Praise God. Celebrate that. But the problem is, is when they take the next logical step, and then they say, now, if you call in right now and, and give $1,000. See, the difference is God told them to do it. Am I helping somebody? I'm freeing you to be who God wants you to be. I'm tired of the world beating your head in and then the church world beating your head in. And you don't know which way to turn because everywhere you turn, someone's hitting you with something and you don't know which way's up. That's not the way. Jesus got on the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, by the time you take them out of the world and get done with them, they're seven times worse off. Why? Because they weren't introducing people to the position of righteousness and freedom. If God tells you to, to give a seed offering, that's not the tithe. The tithe is already in there. A seed offering. If God tells you to do it and you obey, there's going to be results. If you do what somebody else God told them to do, I'm not guaranteeing anything. Do you see the difference? And that's the danger. If you call this TV station right now and, and give $1,000, you too in 30 days could have $100,000 and people salivate. That would be so awesome. I've been wanting to buy that Corvette. That would be about what I need. I don't, I don't know. I'm just. And they, they, they give not because. And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't expect a return. That's not what I'm saying. I'm freeing you to obey God. And if you choose not to follow God and his word, that's between you and Jesus. I mean, I don't know how more the Lord uh, would have us do. Lord's blesses the free grocery store. Lord's blesses a free clothing store, brand new clothes. We, we encourage people to take cash out of the offering bucket if they need it. Yeah. Why? Because I found sowing and reaping works. Just not for you, but for the church. We sow. We sow into our Hope Churches in the Philippines. We sow into other ministries. We give. Why? Because it works. So we don't keep stuff that comes to us only for us. 
We say, God, what do you want me to do with it? And in the realm of righteousness, it's just not so that you can feel good about yourself today. And God wants you to feel good about yourself today. But if you want to live in the flow of it, then you have to understanding the role of it is to not let it come to you, but let it come through you. It doesn't mean you got to intimidate every person that walks by your path, but you got to be open. Lord, use me to touch somebody. Use me to bless somebody today. Lord, use me to speak righteousness because your word tells me you have given me the assignment of reconciliation. Be reconnected back to God. Connect back to his favor. He's already paid for your sins. You don't have to live with that sin. You don't have to live with that bondage. You can be free today. When it gets darker in the world, and believe me, it's going to get crazier as we get closer to the end times, and we're pretty close as it is. It doesn't mean the church gets quieter. We get brighter. And it doesn't come just from us hoping it. It's from us waking up, and even if I don't feel a goosebump, saying, Lord, this is your day you've made. I rejoice. Now show me. Let me put into action your plans. Show me. Is there somebody I can reach for you today? Just show me. Bring it to my attention, and I'm there. Make it clear. What if I miss it? Just ask him. Make it clear, Jesus. Make it so clear that I won't miss it. Make it really, really clear. And you'll be surprised what the Holy Spirit will put in your path. You have the opportunity to not only receive righteousness, but to be connecting people. Well, I don't know. I'm just not excited about my salvation anymore. I need some new joy from salvation. You need that. It's a part of the kingdom. But you want me to help you see the restoration of that life? Start living it through other people as you see and bring them to the waters. And saying, you too can be free. You too can be forgiven. Not out of condemnation. Out of a message that's so good, it is hard to even believe. It's, it, it's so good that religious people have to back up and rewrite it because it's just, it's too good that God would take someone who's been in sin and deliver them and free them and forgive them. They need a little penance, Pastor. No, Jesus already paid the price. See, I'm getting my portion today. Hallelujah. Come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to God. Say, come back to God. What a cool opportunity we have on this side of eternity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. Today is your opportunity. Come back to God. Your sins have been paid for, but you have to receive it by faith. He loves you. He wants you to come back into his favor. He wants you to come back. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, no one moving around. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I do not have a real relationship with Jesus. And the way you process and the way you experience is Jesus Christ real to you. If you don't know that for sure, then he's not. And he can be, though. This is the day of salvation. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Revelation 3 says, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up, let me in, I'll come in. Here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you do not have a real relationship with Jesus or if you allowed stuff to come between you and God and you know your heart's not right, this is this moment. This is one of the most important, one of the greatest miracles is seeing someone go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from sin to forgiveness and righteousness. 
If that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer that I lead you in. It's going to be short, but it, it will make eternal difference. Let it come from your heart. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day, rules again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen and amen. Now, before we go any farther, I want to speak a blessing over everyone who's prayed that prayer and meant it. If you prayed that prayer and say, Pastor, that was for me. I prayed that prayer. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to help you. I believe in these last days, one of the things we need is the anointing, the spirit of tenacity. That is really a, a real deal something. Because it's one thing to celebrate Jesus when you're in the hospital, when you get outside the house. If you're not careful, we'll buckle under the pressure of temptation. And if that's been you, and you just have a hard time standing up and serving the Lord, then what we're going to do is I'm going to speak this blessing over your life. It comes out of the word of God that you'll be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner person. And so here's what I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer, now some of you I know are shy and some of you are real bold. So bold people respond first so the shy people can catch a little of your boldness. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God, you meant business with God, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. You say, but I, I don't know anybody. Listen, I know the awkwardness of standing up in front of a group of people. But if it's hard to stand up in this room when people are going to be clapping and celebrating and cheering you on for Jesus. How do we stand up for Jesus out in the world that don't believe in him? What am I doing? I, there, it's a resolve. I need you to make a resolve to cross that line of no matter what it costs, I'm going to serve God. And watch how you walk away feeling stronger than ever before to live for him. doesn't mean you're going to be weird. God's not weird. doesn't mean you're going to be rude. But that you'll be strong. You won't be weak God's not giving you the spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. So if you, if you prayed that prayer, it meant business. So I know who I was praying with, and I want to speak a blessing over your life. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand to your feet right now in Jesus' name. Who I'm praying with. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Three. God bless you. Four. Five. God bless you. Keep clapping. Six, seven, eight. God bless you. Nine. God bless you. Come on. Keep clapping. There's, there's more. Come on. What in the, in the portico? 10. God bless you. 11 in the very back. God bless you. There's, hallelujah. Keep clapping. We're at 12. God bless you. 13. Are you standing? 13. God bless you. Hallelujah. 14. God bless you. 15. God bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church. Give him a praise. Stay standing if you would. Stay standing. Everybody stretch your hands toward these people. Let me be the first to say welcome to the family of God. 
Welcome to the family of God. You've come back to God. And he, he's given you his favor, his blessing. Now, Father, we stretch our hands toward every one of these individuals. We thank you. Heaven is celebrating. Your word tells us we're celebrating. And, Father, God, I ask right now that you strengthen them by might, by your Holy Spirit today in Jesus' name, in their inner person. That as they walk out of here, I thank you. You're putting the right desires for your word, for your, for your church, for the coming to the house of God. And I thank you, Father, you're giving them a tenacity to stand strong, regardless of opposition, pressure, or temptation. We thank you for that, and we give you praise. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. God bless you. Wow, isn't that awesome?